Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And good morning to you. This is Real Presence Live, coming to you live this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Steve Slonskowski along with... Tom, Tom O'Keefe. There we go. <laughs> I caught Tom in the middle of a prayer. We've been making the joke all weekend, you know, that, that from Angels in the Outfield where the, uh, what's the guys, what's the main announcer's guy? R- Ranch Wilder. Ranch Wilder and, 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 and the color commentator. Didn't even have a name. Didn't even have a name. <laughs> it was always less is more, Tom. So the theme of this morning is less is more. No, we're just joking. But we've had fun over the weekend uh, making jokes about that. How is your weekend going, Tom? Or how was your weekend? It was a beautiful weekend. We had a diaconate formation, so it's always a, a blessed time to get together with my brothers and, and their wives and, and the guys, the, the, the teachers that are, are forming us. You always just come out a little bit more enriched, a little bit more inspired, a little more trusting in yeah. God's calling. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. We actually had a couple of exams this weekend, and uh, it, they, they were a little challenging, but kind of that reminder of that this is not about me, this is not about my intellect, this is about the Holy Spirit, the call. A little bit of lesson in humility as well. Yeah, yeah, humility is a good thing. It reminds us where we're at. Well, folks, uh, we're at Real Presence Live today, coming to you live. We have some great conversations this morning, and uh, we've uh, we've got had a few changes that came up in the last few minutes and over the weekend, so we're just going to fly with it, and we're honored to have a special guest in studio this morning, Blake Ritterman. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. How you doing? I'm doing very well. It's how great was, to be here. Yeah, how was your weekend? It was good. It was good. The, the Cathedral of St. Mary started uh, Solemn Vespers. That started Saturday evening. And uh, so I went with my daughter Saturday evening to that. And it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. It was good to be in the Adoration Chapel where there's some vocal prayer mm-hmm. going on too. It, just the acoustics in that. And just a beautiful thing as we, as we enter for this final week into the Christmas, uh, Christmas Day and then the octave of Christmas and, and things too. So just, yeah, it was a really beautiful weekend. It was a very calm weekend actually uh, with family and everything too in preparation for, for Christmas and the busyness that will come. So Yeah, yeah you've been working for Real Presence Live for how long? Since uh, August 15th, the Assumption. So Ooh. a few months here, so I can always remember the day I started. There's an anniversary yeah. day to remember. That's right. That's yeah. a good one. And yeah. what's, what's your position again? I am a listener relations coordinator for Eastern North Dakota and Western Minnesota. Right. So really promotion and fundraising are the big parts of what I do. So it's called evangelization. It's called evangelization. Exactly. exactly. It's all part of it. And that's what I'm learning. I'm learning that very much so that, you know, you know asking people to give of themselves and, and talking about the station, it's a way in which inviting them to evangelize in, in different ways um, for for RPR to, to use the apostle that we use as far as radio is concerned. And uh, so it is. That's what it is. It's bringing people to Christ in, in a real way. It's about that relationship. I know where, where, I, where I work, I, I never thought I could ask people for things. And I always felt I was so, so uncomfortable with that. But once you truly believe in what you're doing and that you're giving that yeah. individual such an opportunity to participate in that mission with you by by your by your ask for for help or prayer yeah. or what, whatever it is it's 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 really a, an exchange more than it is uh, anything else. Oh yeah, I mean Jesus and and the church is just this this treasure, right? It's this it's this beautiful thing that he wants to 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 give away to give of himself and. Uh, 
you know, I am, I'm blessed to, to assist that, to assist others, to get to know him through the means of radio. Anyway, there's so many stories about how just radio touches people in the most, um, with the time it's not, it's not a coincidence by any means, but you know, they're driving around the road and, and, and it just so happens that the radio's on and, and there they are. And so it's just beautiful to be part of that mission. I, I don't think I'm the person that can stand on a street corner and say, Hey, you know, that's just not, that's not who I am. I may be called to that someday. I don't know, but this, this works well for me to just have really, you know, good one-on-one relationship with others to, to bring them to understand how Christ can work through radio. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great opportunity talking about humility. I think uh, fundraising is one of the most humbling things I've ever done. You got it. Because, you got it. Yeah, you just got to step out of your comfort zone and say, you know, if I'm, I get rejected here, it's not not being me being rejected. It's just uh, it's the message. And so asking the Lord to give you the words right. for that invitation that they can respond. And perseverance. Yeah. Yeah, perseverance. Absolutely. Keep asking. Yep. Yep. And, so, and sometimes you're playing, playing the role of the seed. You know, like yeah. Steve talked about rejection. Well, you never know what's going on in that individual's life right now. That 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 know that they're 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 saying to you, uh, it, it may be painful for them, as well. But you, if you're if you're doing that with with kindness and and uh, they're going to remember that, and that seed's going to pl- be planted, and 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 who knows where that fruit is going to come from that. Right. Well, you know, the, the, really, this salvation history is the call to generosity. If you go back to Abraham and to Moses um, and and you know uh, to Noah, it's like every time the Lord comes, it's like, hey, I want you to do this. Oh, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like right. I want you to step outside of your skill set. I love the story of Gideon, where he's like, okay, gather all your armies. Okay, now send these guys home and send those guys home and send those guys home. He's like, whoa. You know, you whittled me down to 300 guys, and I had 300,000 men. He said, yeah, it's because I don't want people to say, oh, this was Gideon who did this. Mm-hmm. It was the Lord who did this. It was the Lord, this. right. We just had the uh, uh, memorial of Juan Diego, and I was watching a little thing on, on him, actually, this, this morning. And he said the same things to Mary. Are you sure you want me to pick somebody else? Yeah. And, uh, and how, then they spoke about how often that happens in the Bible, but God, God has chosen you for this, this task absolutely and has, a, has confidence and will equip you. Awesome. Well, we're talking to Blake Ritterman and Blake. One of the things you're doing right now is planning for the banquet coming up February 6th here in Fargo. I know you have numerous banquets, but the Fargo banquet. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we just fit, finished, you know, network-wide, the fall cycle of banquets with Rochester ending a couple weeks ago. And now we, we take a break. I don't take a break, but <laughs> the banquets themselves take a break. And then uh, February 6th is Fargo at the Delta Hotel. We are uh, currently getting uh, table hosts and guests to to come to this banquet. It's a real opportunity to, people call it a Catholic reunion. A lot of, Fargo has, has been, this banquet's been around, I think. I mean, Steve, you could maybe tell me how. 2010. Well, actually, February of 2009, Teresa Tamio was our first banquet. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing just how long and how, how much it's grown. And so people look forward to it in the dead of winter mm-hmm. <laughs> in February to come together and have this opportunity to just share faith. We have Dr. Ralph Martin as our keynote, keynote speaker. Um, I had a chance to hear him at the Bismarck Banquet. He's got a great message um, of just the reality of what's happening in our world, what's happening in our church, and how do we as individual Catholics respond to that? So I'm hoping for a thousand people. That's my that's my goal mm-hmm. um, to, to come. So that's a uh, hundred tables of, of 10 would be great um, to, to, to share faith and be together for a nice evening, a nice meal. Um, so again, uh, to register is right on our website, realpresenceradio.com. You can call me 701-960-0453 and happy to tell you more about uh, the great things happening with our banquet. Give that phone number and your email again. My, uh, my email is blake at realpresenceradio.com and my phone number is 701 701- 
960-0453. And you can also go to our, our website, realpresenceradio.com. And up to 100 tables is what you can do. Yeah, ten, ten we can do 106. Yeah. 106 can fill the room at the Delta. Um, but if we get 100, I'd be thrilled. Yeah. So. And how many openings do you got? We got, right now, we're at 60 tables, okay. 60 table hosts, so we're looking for 40 more. Uh, I have a, a great uh, banquet committee that's working hard right now and, and calling on, on table hosts. But anyone that's, that's inspired to get, it really, if you bring your, your spouse, you're just looking at four other couples to join you for a nice evening. Um, when you think of it that way, it's really not that, that difficult. And that's evangelization, bringing people to come to the banquet. You get to, get to experience the Catholic community here in the Fargo-Moorhead and really be other regions as well hear a great speaker and just, you know, share faith. It's a beautiful thing. So Yeah, and you can host more than one table? Oh, yeah, of course. Yep. Uh, yeah, we have a couple of people already that are hosting uh, a couple. We have a great uh, group in Barnesville that have two tables um, through the, the Women's Guild and the Knights of Columbus. So great things happening there, too. So All right, your email and phone number again. My email is blake at realpresenceradio.com. My phone number is 701-960-0453. All right, and Tom and I are both hosting a table. You said your table's almost full, huh, Tom? Yeah, I, I started hosting a table back when I worked at Essentia, so it's probably be seven, seven years ago now. And, and it, was, it was people that I worked with, and this is the one time of year that I get together with those, mm -hmm. those, those folks, yeah. other than maybe seeing them randomly and stuff. So I look forward to it every year. So I just sent out my email last week. We're getting the band back together. <laughs> you know, and uh, one gal I haven't seen in three years because of COVID, and she's, she's returning to the table this year. So uh, I really, really look forward. And if once, once you get started... Maybe I got to find one couple a year, someone that d doesn't work for. But it's uh, once, when, like you said, once you get your band together, they, yeah. they tend to come back and 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 really enjoy it, and and to share the speaker with them and that evening and uh, yeah, just the camaraderie that you feel, the energy that you feel in the banquet hall and out in, yeah. out in the in the foyer there as people are visiting, it, it's 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 very inspiring, and encouraging. Yeah, and I, it's just the when I was uh, I was in seminary for a while and. They always said February might be the shortest month on the calendar, but it is the longest month. <laughs> Meaning, it's it's dark, it's winter. There's not there's no like holidays where you have some break or anything like that. So I just think it's a real opportune time, you know, to you know, in the midst of that, coming out of Christmas, the busyness of that, and to to reignite ourselves as we prepare for spring, you know, prepare for Lent and, and other things that are coming down the way. So. It's just a it's a great thing. I've been to a couple banquets just as a guest, and I've always come away with. Um, it's really the after sharing faith afterwards with your with your guests and say, man, how did that affect you? How did that affect me? And uh, it's really just it's another way that that Christ ma makes Himself present to people. It's just through that community. So yeah. All right, folks. February sixth, Dr. Ralph Martin. Give Blake a call again. Phone number and email seven zero one nine six zero zero four five three. You can go to our website realpresenceradio.com, and my email is blake b l a k e at realpresenceradio.com. All right. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate All right. you. All right. And we've got uh, Father Christopher Cowles waiting on the phone for us. Father, how are you doing this morning? Tired, but good. <laughs> Tired, but good. Hey, I like honesty. Honesty is great. That's good. We all need to know that. Even priests get tired, right? Yes, they do. Most definitely. <laughs> yes. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, being seen by the Father. And you're actually uh, you're going to be hearing Father right now talk about that. But Father, uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, this journey so far. Uh, Advent. We have Christmas coming up this weekend. How's your Advent journey been? The Advent journey has been beautiful. Uh, but at the same time, it's also one of those journeys that is um, particularly special for me because I'm at a Hispanic parish. Um, for those who don't know, with Hispanic parishes, 
Advent is kind of cut up into two large sections, preparation for the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe and then preparation for Christmas with two novenas in between. So it's intensive but incredibly beautiful. Um, but at times, um, the actual meaning of Advent can get eclipsed by the things that are taking place in the parish. <laughs> Yeah, and actually one week ago was the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe on December 12th. Uh, talk to us a little Correct. bit about that celebration, Father. Uh, it's, it's just one of the most beautiful celebrations of the year for Hispanics. Just because in that day, so many people come together and recognize Mary as their mother. Um, usually at, what happens first is everyone gets up that morning at um, 5 or 6 a.m., come to the church and sing Mary awake with what are called mañanitas. And the whole idea with that, uh, time period is they're taking the time to um, just thank her on this particular day for appearing and for her incredible love for the people of Mexico and just showing herself to them and then drawing them to Jesus. Um, and then from there, that evening usually has a Mass, and depending on, on the location, sometimes they'll have Aztec dancers or they'll have different things during the course of the celebration. But everyone usually brings their roses in abundance um, of their devotion and love on Mary and from there, it's, yeah, it's just incredible. Um, the Mass is a beautiful celebration. We had some major ice here at that time, so we weren't able to do as much as we would have liked. Um, but at the same time, people still came out in droves, even though it was icy on the roads, to show their love to Mary. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And I know uh, Pope John Paul II called Our Lady of Guadalupe the star of the new evangelization. Um, of course, and we know there's many stars in the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, how do we, uh, you know, and, and the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe, can you tell that story a little bit, Father? Totally, totally. So back in 1531, what happened was you had a country, um, well, not just the country, but the entire continent, but a huge amount of the country was struggling so much um, with just having been conquered by the conquistadors, but also of having lost their gods and realized that their gods were a sham. And that sham was, they thought that they had to offer human sacrifices in order to uh, continue keeping the universe alive. So in the midst of that, the missionaries tried their best to really bring people to Christ, but having little to no um, real success. And in the midst of all of that, um, Our Lady appears, not to a little children, um, as she does with many other apparitions, but she does to an older man, um, a 57-year-old widower, Juan Diego. And in that moment, as she begins this work with him, she, um, through him, allows herself to be shown to an entire nation of people. Um, so he carries these roses in his, his cloak, brings them to the bishop as a sign that Mary has appeared, and uh, an image miraculously appears on his cloak, the tilma, which is still present to this day in Mexico City at the Basilica. Uh, but that image was this, like, codex, this incredible map for people to learn about the faith and um, within the course of nine years, over nine million people were converted to the faith. I was watching this morning, actually, a, a thing informed about uh, Juan Diego, and, and they were talking about how they, how they went from the bishop writing a letter back to Spain saying, I don't know if these people can be converted, to a point where the, the priests were exhausted because people were lining up for miles to be baptized. Yeah. 15,000 baptisms a day. <laughs> That's the crazy part. It's just unbelievable when you think of it. A new kind of tired. <laughs> yes, a new kind of tired, but a good kind of tired. Amen. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine their joy at seeing so many people coming to the faith, but thinking, how are we going to serve all these people? Um, but it's one of those things that even Jesus had to deal with at different times. 
and the Lord always provides. Yeah, I love the the story of Juan Diego. We were talking a little Tom about this this morning, where he you know he came to Juan Diego and he's like, uh, the bishop's not listening to me. You might want to go to somebody else. And she comes back to him, and even in the meantime, you know, his uncle gets sick, and so he goes up the mountain, or and he goes around the hill on the other side because he you know Mary's on the other side, and he needs to get to uh, Mexico City to find a priest uh, to hear his uncle's confession. And she comes around, and she's like, uh, my little Juan, my uh, where are you going? <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm I'm busy, I'm busy. Okay, I have things to do. And she's like, oh, your uncle's going to be fine. Go back to the bishop. And, you know, I I think one of these great great stories uh, throughout history are uh, that these are normal people. um, And the Lord um, comes to them and asks them to do extraordinary things. And it's not because of their own... Uh, amazing power, or even even sometimes because of even their own holiness, but because of the Lord's greatness that He does great works. And 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 exactly. I sometimes you know in these stories I think, oh, why isn't the Lord doing this today? And right away the Lord's like, Are you kidding me? I am doing this. You're just not listening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like uh, exactly, yeah. And that childlike faith that Juan Diego had to simply receive the message and say, Me? Oh, okay, if this is what you want, Mary. I'm going to do it. For so many of us, when we receive those messages in prayer and other things, we're like, no, can't be me, got to go find somebody else. Juan Diego, in his simplicity and his openness, just said, okay, if that's what you want, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to come back with my reservations of saying, I don't think I'm worthy for this, which I do very often in my own prayer. But once again, it gets confirmed and God says, no, you got to stick with this. I'm here for you. Yeah. Well, let's move from that concept of, you know, so Juan Diego being seen by Our Lady and and Our Lady being seen by Juan Diego. He responds to her message, and then he takes this image uh, to to the bishop, who then sees this image of Our Lady on his tilma um, and draws him in. You know, it it makes it clear to him that the Lord is making this call. So let's talk about the importance of of this seeing and and, and being seen uh, by the Father. Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful things that I think oftentimes we take for granted, that the Father sees who we are, um, and He doesn't see us in the way that we often think. Um, we often might believe that the Father sees us just in our sinfulness, our brokenness, our, um, our failures, but the Father sees all of us. He sees our potential, He sees our giftedness and our goodness, and it's in the midst of all of that 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 scene is this um, both a, I would say, not just an invitation, but also kind of a, an acceptance of who we are completely and totally. And that acceptance and that affirmation of who we are is meant to actually um, bring out the best in us. But most of us are, are fearful of just allowing ourselves to be seen by the Father, even though He sees us regardless of whether we look back at Him or not. Um, it's a really incredible reality that the Father sees us, and when we notice how He sees us, it's a sense that we have the freedom to be who we are. Um, but if we miss, we're misguided in the way that we think that the Father sees us, if He looks at us with judgment or hatred or frustration, in those moments we're very fearful of turning to the Father because we think He's just going to condemn us and say that we're not worthwhile. I love that practice and the Ignatian, I, th- I think, spirituality we learned, Steve, where you, you take that few moments and, and look at the spot you're going to pray and, and, and put yourself and somewhat in God's place to say, what does God see? Because uh, I think we have that, like you said, Father, we have the tendency to see God to see us with our own eyes. And, and we bring all that stuff that we have from ourselves. But God is looking at us, waiting to pray. He's already there. He looks at us with such pride that, you know, that's my boy. That's my little boy. Yes. It was transformative for me many years ago um, to learn the examine prayer 
And the examine per the second step of it after giving thanks to the Lord is ask the Lord to see the day as He sees it. Um, and I remember thinking, how does He see the day? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, and I had to be guided in that to understand how He sees me, how He looks at me, how He watches me, because up to that point in my life, um, I had had particular figures at times who had judged me or who had looked at me in a particular strong way who were father-like figures. And I felt like the father looked at me that way. So I never wanted to turn to the father. And I remember one spiritual director saying to me very simply, the person you're talking about right now, that's not God. <laughs> that's not God. That's not how he acts. That's not what he's like. The way he looks at you and sees you is the same way with pride that a father looks at a newborn child and holds that baby in his arms. It's the same way that a father, whether his son has won the soccer game or lost it, is there on the sidelines cheering him on. It's the same way that a father, or um, in any circumstance, will see their kid as they're growing, and sometimes have to reprove them, but at the same time love them so much that it's even painful for them to say something. You know, it's a, a kind of a reminder of the prodigal son, where he kind of has this conversation where he's like, "Well, you know, I'm sitting here eating uh, this, this, these, the food of pigs, and at home, uh, even the the servants are eating better. I'll go back to my father and I'll say this, and 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 he, he I guess I, I'm not sure. We don't know from scripture what the son thinks that his father is going to do, but he's saying, "I'm just going to be vulnerable. I'm going to go back to the father." Isn't that's kind of one of the important steps, right, of just becoming vulnerable? Exactly, exactly. And just beginning to say, I'm going to go back no matter how the Father sees me. But the, such an interesting piece of that story of the prodigal son is that everyone who had heard this story as Jesus was telling it were expecting the Father to basically cut their child off when he came back home, to say, you're no longer my son, I don't want you anymore, and you're gone. Jesus' response of how the Father receives the younger son is mind-blowing to them. Um, because the son he doesn't even get out the words necessary to give his full speech. Um, and the son really does not expect that his father is going to receive him again. So he looks upon him and says, you are my son. You are dead and are alive. You are lost and are found. We must rejoice. Even the way that the father looks at the older son is so incredible, because this younger, or the older son doesn't even identify himself as being a son. Because he says, your son who went off and spent his money with all of this debauchery. Um, he doesn't see himself as a son yet, um, and has yet to receive that gaze or that look of the Father in his own heart and in his own life. Father, you talked a little, you know, as we're talking about the prodigal son, you talked about the examined prayer and, and how, you, how it changed you uh, and how you, how you perceived God to see you. What, what fruits have you uh, discovered, or, or uh, what fruits can we expect when we can change that, that paradigm of how we think the Lord sees us. Most definitely. Um, with the examined prayer and with the way that we are seen by the Father, what happens in time is we don't like spend all of our time beating ourselves up after a sin. We simply return to the Father. I'll tell people all the time with confession, don't walk, don't crawl, run back to confession. And run back as a child seeking to receive the mercy of their Father who cares so much for them. And, and that, that's exactly what it is. But what I notice is the fruits of, like, the examined prayer is you begin to see where you're cooperating with God's grace during the day and where you are actually rejecting God's grace to help you grow in your life of prayer or to help you grow in your moral life. 
But what happens little by little is it transforms you in this particular way, that it allows you to see yourself not just as, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel, but that someone who is loved, someone who is cared for, someone who is adored and um, accompanied all throughout the course of their life and their day. And when we feel that way, there's a way in which we have this freedom to just be the people that God has made us to be and to live in that very particular space. Um, So with the Examine Prayer and other things, what happens is we begin to say, all of our gifts are gifts that I want to share. Um, I am not a burden, but I am a gift to others, and I want to use that. Um, And it even moves us in the direction of being able to evangelize, to share with others, do you receive the love of the Father in this way? I want you to receive the Father's love in this way, Um, because we want everyone to feel that love that we feel from the Father. You know, I think, uh, let's talk a little bit about the examine, Father, to give uh, give some of our listeners some practical tools. Obviously, you talk about confession, and of course, the examine leads right into confession. After confession, we can go to Eucharist and the Mass, and after Mass, we can sit before our Lord um, in adoration of the Eucharist. But let's talk about that examine, because a lot of times people out there, you know, I know, they're like, I go to confession, but I can't remember my sins. You know, if I go, even if I go every 30 days, I, I can't remember them. But that examine process really has been very helpful for me, that my, my you know, the the confessions and, and the penance has been much more um, powerful because I'm paying attention daily to what the Lord is doing in my life. So let's, can you uh, kind of lay out the process of, the, of this examine and how it, how it works? Most definitely. So you begin first. Um, so an examine is a little bit different than an examination of conscience, as a lot of people are used to. So an examination of conscience is looking particularly just at your sins. Whereas the examined prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola looks in this in a different way. It begins first by um, giving gratitude to God for your life and for the day, and thanking Him for all the ways that He's worked in the course of your life. Then from there, you move into asking God to see, asking God to see the day as He sees it. To look upon the day in those ways where you've cooperated with His grace and where you have rejected His grace. To do the things that we're called to, whether that's with sin or even just in speaking up and sharing our lives with others. Then from there, it's a review of the day, a full review of looking at everything that's taken place, um, and God's lens of first seeing those areas where you've really cooperated with Him, um, and thanking Him for those moments. Because when you notice how you're cooperating with God, you begin to do it more. When you see how you're saying yes to Him, and He's encouraging you in your yes, He allows you to say yes even more at those times. But then you also look at those times where you rejected it as you move into that fourth stage. And the goal is not to be downhearted as you look at your sins, but simply to realize that these are, yes, opportunities for us to grow, but also a way in which we're going to receive God's mercy as we come back to Him and things that we need to avoid in the future. And as you do this more and more, you begin to see the patterns of sin in your life, which makes confession even more fruitful because you're bringing not just the individual sin, but the pattern, and maybe the root behind the sin of why you're turning to it. And then finally, there's an amendment of heart at the very end of saying, I'm going to work very hard with God's grace to avoid this sin in the future and ask for His help in this area. Yeah, it's a, it's a great process. Actually, Father, you're so right. And in, in, for myself, with the exam and even going through it, I felt like the Lord has taken me back and said, well, Lord, I wasn't uncharitable with this conversation. I, 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 
I cooperated with your grace. I wasn't uncharitable. And he's like, you're right. And it was just good. However, you did have this uncharitable thought. I'm like, oh, oh. He's like, and here's what we, and here's what we want to do with that. And I'm like, oh, but it's actually kind of, it's like taking me back to even before the actual, you know, active sin. He takes me back into that intention and cleanses that. And it's been so powerful, the examined prayer. Um, oh, and so God. invite. God, that's working well. Yeah, and I invite anybody out there to just have that daily thing. And this, honestly, it can be one minute, it can be two minutes, it can be 15 minutes. Um, a great place to do this examine, Father, right, is in Eucharistic adoration. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, for adoration, one of the things that you could start off adoration with or finish adoration with is to do the examine prayer and to spend that time in the presence of the Lord just looking over your day. But what we already mentioned before of receiving the gaze or receiving the way that the Father looks at us. It's a great way to just interiorize how He loves you. Um, and in that moment, you're right <clears throat> right there in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, who is there loving us and looking upon us with that great love. Um, but it's, it's a great place to do so, to just be present there and to receive how the Father looks upon us with that great care and love. Um, so it's, it's something wonderful that we could do and many different times in the course of our day. Um, and one thing that I forgot to mention is St. Ignatius was really big on this, was what he called a particular examine. So if he knows, if you know that you're struggling with a particular kind of sin, you could just focus in on that, focus in on that particular area, and say, you know, I struggle with um, judgment or gossip or pride or gluttony, and I'm just going to focus in on that as I spend this time in prayer and allow myself um, to turn back to the, the look of the Father upon me and bring everything to him as he loves me in that moment. Awesome. Well, Father Christopher Cowles coming to us live from Sioux, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, Our Lady, Guadalupe, Sioux, uh, uh, Lady Guadalupe Parish, is that your parish there, Father? Correct. Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It's been uh, wonderful and very inspirational. So you have a great rest of your week, and I hope you get some time to rest. You as well. Thank you very much. All yes. right. Father Christopher Cowles sharing with us about being seen by the Father. We're going to take a break, but on the other side, we're going to talk to Pat Castle about Life Runners right here on Real Presence Live. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 